You're not going to sit there, are you? Okay, good. That's too close. All that ugly up that close would be scary. All right. We got a lot to do this morning, a lot to get to, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time getting into it. So um, <clears throat> gear up, get ready. Here we go. There's your intro. It's time to dig into this. So we're doing a series on the Baptist faith and message. Um, what, what, what are the basic tenets of the, of the Baptist faith? What, what, what is it that as a Southern Baptist church or a Great Commission Baptist church, um, do we say that we believe? Um, I went through all the two what, where's, why's, and from's last week. So if you, if you, if you missed last week, fbcdan.com, you can go back there and hear the, the big intro into all this series and the why's and all that type of stuff. But suffice it to say, the Lord has led me to teach uh, and preach through this these next several weeks. So that's what we're going to be doing. So the Baptist faith message is just a succinct statement of beliefs according to Scripture to bear witness to Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Today we're looking at Articles 3 and 2. I know that's numerically backwards, but it's on purpose. 3 being man, Article 2 being God. Um, but we're going to start in 1 Chronicles 29. You've probably got to knock the dust knock the dust off of that as you get to that, um, because you probably hadn't been in 1 Chronicles in a while. And if you would, please stand with me this morning. As we read this together in both honor and reverence of God's holy infallible word. First Chronicles 29, starting in verse 10, it says, So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and on the earth, yours is the dominion, Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Verse 12, both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all, and in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. Amen. Amen. Please have a seat. This is, this is the God. <laughs> this, is, this is our God. This is, these verses are our heart of worship. This is how the scriptures testify about our great God that we come together every week to worship. Uh, and I just wanted to start there this morning. We're not spending any time there. I just wanted to start there because that, those verses speak so eloquently about how wonderful God is. So, starting in reverse order this morning, because describing us is fairly simply, that's why we're starting with man instead of God. Uh, we're starting in Article 3 of the Baptist Faith and Message. So Article 3 says this. This is how uh, our BFM describes man. Man is the special creation of God, made in his own image. He created them, male and female, as the crowning work of his creation. The gift of gender is thus part of the goodness of God's creation. In the beginning, man was innocent of sin and was endowed by his creator with freedom of choice. By his free choice, man sinned against God and brought sin into the human race. Through the temptation of Satan, man transgressed the command of God and fell from his original innocence, whereby his posterity, all of us, Inherit a nature and an environment inclined toward sin. Therefore, as soon as they are capable of moral action, 
they become transgressors, they being all of humankind, and are under condemnation. Only the grace of God can bring man into his holy fellowship and enable man to fulfill the creative purpose of God. The sacredness of human personality is evident in that God created man in his own image, and in that Christ died for man. Therefore, every person of every race possesses full dignity and is worthy of respect and Christian love. Amen. What a beautiful statement about mankind. I love that last part. It really speaks to me. It gets me kind of fired up. Uh, we're going to go through a few verses talking about this. The first one being Romans 3.23. You probably learned this if you spent time in church when you were itty bitty 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 bitty. This is the Romans road, right? Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This Baptist faith and message is based on scripture because there is nothing else to base any belief off of than the word of God. And it says right here that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the first thing that we need to remember that we can succinctly even break down this article of man, man is a sinner. Man is a sinner. By his free choice, our BFM says, by his free choice, man sinned against God and brought sin into the human race. Through the temptation of Satan, man transgressed the command of God and fell from his original innocence, whereby his posterity, everyone who came after Adam, which means man, the first man, everyone who has come since him, since him, inherits a nature and an environment inclined towards sin. We are sinners living in a sin-filled world by our own choice, by man's own choice. Romans 5.19 says, For just as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so also through the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. This is a beautiful verse that I didn't really fully understand until we went through Romans last year. I said I didn't understand. I didn't fully appreciate it until we went through our Roman study and lunch, learn, pray last year. Uh, because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I'll, I'll tell you, in my arrogance, more than once throughout my life, I've thought, you know, I just don't think it's fair that I inherited a sinful nature. I don't, I don't think that's right. What am I saying when I say that from, from a dirty, deceitful heart? What am I saying? I'm saying, I think if I were given the chance, I wouldn't have been a sinner. That's what, that, that's what that heart was saying, which is a very foolish thing to say. Because, I don't know, you may, not have th you may not think like me. I know I'm weird. I've told you all that a million times. But I thought, you know, it just doesn't seem fair that because Adam sinned, I'm a sinner. As if if I were placed in Adam's shoes, I wouldn't have done the exact same thing. But the fact of the matter is, if I were placed in Adam's shoes, or you, or you, or you, or you, or anyone else, we would have chosen the exact same thing he did, because that's what man does. Man, when given free choice, chooses sin. But because one man caused all to become sinners, here's the beauty of this verse and this truth, because one man caused all to become transgressors, all to become sinners, one man can save all from sin. That is where it gets pretty good. That's where it gets good news. That's where it becomes gospel. One man caused all to become sinners. One man can cause all to be saved. Man, God is smart. I'm so glad he's smarter than me. Oh, it's good stuff. Colossians 3, 9 through 11. 
Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ there is no Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free. But Christ is all and in all. Because one man, Jesus, saved us from our sins, we are all united before God in equal value. We bring nothing, nothing of worth to God that makes us better than anyone else. All we have is our heart to give him. Therefore, racism and sexism and any other ism is a scheme of sinful man designed to divide mankind. It's full of hate and sin, and it is of Satan. Christ Jesus, the Son of God, unites mankind in perfect love. Nobody is better than anybody in the church. So we, human beings, all of man, are sinners. The payment, the wages of sin is Come on, say it one more time. The wages of sin is, and the result of sin is hell. Hell on earth and the torment of hell forever. So then, we are in need, is what the Baptist faith and message is trying to say for mankind. So then, who is this God, is the question that I come to. What and who are we gathered here today to worship? Why does that matter to you, and why does that matter to me? Well, let's go to Article 2. Article 2, describing who God is. There is one and only one living and true God. He is an intelligent, spiritual, and personal being. The creator, redeemer, preserver, and ruler of the universe. God is infinite in holiness and all other perfections. God is all-powerful and all-knowing. And his perfect knowledge extends to all things, past, present, and future, including the future decisions of his free creatures. Holy cow, I'm going to read that again for the breadth of the world. Including the future decisions of his free creatures. Whew, that's a lot. To him we owe the highest love, reverence, and obedience. The eternal triune God reveals himself as the Father Son and Holy Spirit with distinct personal attributes, but without division of nature, essence, or being. That's how it finishes in Article 2. To him we owe the highest love, reverence, and obedience. The eternal triune God reveals himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with distinct personal attributes, but without division of nature, essence, or being. Whew, this God, <laughs> the God. All right, let's go from the start. Where do we start to describe this God? We start in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning, in the beginning, God. God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. The most revolutionary words ever put into print. In the beginning, God. God is outside of time. He is God. It starts with God. Everything, period. And it's God, not God's, with an S. It changed everything. God revealed himself as the one holy 
God. So, God is creator. We, we know that. You know that. God is creator. Next, Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the earth and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. This God is the creator and sustainer of life. He is the author of life. That's why all life holds value, all of it, no matter where, no matter what, no matter who, all life has value. From the womb to the very end of life, life has value because God is the author of life. Not because I say it has value and not because you say it has value, because if you say that, you can choose who has value and who doesn't. But God is the author of life, and he says all life is valuable. Exodus 3.14, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Or we think Yahweh would be the word for that in Hebrew. Orthodox Jews to this day still won't say that name out loud out of reverence to this God who is. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. God saying that he is eternal. He is outside of time. He is creator. He is the author of life. He is eternal. 1 Timothy 1.17. Now to the king. I love this verse. It fires me up. I'm fixing to get fired up. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He is the everlasting one, the only God. He is Yahweh God. The eternal triune God reveals himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with distinct personal attributes but without division of nature, essence, or being. Whew. What a God. So the Baptist faith message in true Baptist form Articles aren't enough. We've got to have subsections. So we've got three subsections of Article 2 to continue explaining who God is. Now, the original had about a paragraph, 1925. And then in 1963, a little bit added to it. But in 2000, we wanted to make sure that we got it all down there. It says, this is what we believe about God. And then we went from this little bit to this little bit to like this little bit in the three additions to the Baptist faith and message. And the first one is subsection A, God the Father. God as Father reigns with providential care over his universe, his creatures, and the flow of the stream of human history according to the purposes of his grace. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, and all-wise. God is Father in truth to those who become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He is fatherly in his attitude towards all men. I'm going to read that again because that is really good. He, God is Father in truth to those who become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. But he is fatherly to all men in attitude. That's pretty cool. Uh, then the next slide is many of the verses that all of this comes from as far as God the Father goes. And, and like again, bfm.sbc.net has all this right there. You can click it. It's all linked. All these verses are linked. It goes right to it. It's really cool if you want to spend a little time there. Let's look at just a few of these verses on God the Father. Mark 1, 9 through 11. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. As soon as he came out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn apart and the Spirit descending to him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son. I take delight in you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit right there at the beginning of Mark's gospel. It's one of the clearest 
pictures of the Trinity, I believe, in Scripture in these verses right here. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As the BFM stated, the eternal triune God reveals himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with distinct attributes but without division of nature, essence, or being. One God expressed in three personal beings. It's, it's, it's hard to understand, but I believe it is what Scripture expresses about our God. Now, I'm going to keep harping on this today because I do believe it is important, but there are, and I'll use quotes on this, Christian denominations and churches out there who do not believe in the triune nature of God. We, and there are vast opinions out there on this. I believe that Scripture teaches this doctrine very clearly. Not very simply, but very clearly. The triune nature of God. Acts 1, 6-8. So when they had... Come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There are distinct roles in the Godhead. And here you see the triune God again in these verses. They asked him, him being Jesus. Lord, is now when you're going to crush our enemies and establish your perfect kingdom. Is, is it finally happening? Lord, is it finally happening? And Jesus answers them, the Father has set the time by his authority, and it's not for you to know. But power comes for you when the Spirit, which proceeds forth from the Father and the Son, comes on you. As Tyler Childress would say in his song that I love, The Way of the Triune God, faith too strong to be left out in way of the triune God. This is the way of the triune God right here. And then the last one about God the Father, we could spend weeks on it, but the last one for today. Psalm 68, 4 through 5. Sing to God. <laughs> Why do we sing every Sunday? Well, because his word says to. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Exalt him. Who rides on the clouds, his name is Yahweh, and rejoice before him. That means it's all right to smile in church. Can I get an amen? Some of y'all's face hadn't broke a smile out in so long you wouldn't know what it felt like if you did it. That's all right. We still love you. Verse 5 God in his holy dwelling is a father of the fatherless and a champion of widows. He is our father. God is father best way we can describe him. Jesus said to pray to God as Father. To think of God as Father. Perfect, loving, protecting, providing Father. God is Father. Baptist Faith and Message continues subsection B of Article 2. Gotta love that. I mean, is there any other better Baptist way to say that than that? That's amazing. Subsection B of Article 2, God the Son. Christ is the eternal Son of God. In his incarnation as Jesus Christ, he was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus perfectly revealed and did the will of God, taking upon himself human nature with its demands and necessities and identifying himself completely with mankind, yet without sin. 
He honored the divine law by his personal obedience. And in his substitutionary death on the cross, he made provision for the redemption of men from sin. He was raised from the dead with a glorified body and appeared to his disciples as the person who was with them before his crucifixion. He ascended into heaven and is now exalted at the right hand of God where he is the one mediator, the one and only mediator, fully God, fully man, in whose person is effected the reconciliation between God and man. He will return in power and glory to judge the world and to consummate his redemptive mission. He now dwells in all believers as the living and ever-present Lord. Woo. God the Son. He is eternal. In his incarnation, notice that first part said, in his incarnation, not his creation, but in his incarnation, when, when the eternal son Jesus laid down his right as God, eternal God, and became a man, he was incarnated, but he was not created. That is key. Some people all throughout the history of Christendom have tried to say that Jesus was just a man. Jesus was not just a man. He's fully God and he's fully man. Can you explain that fully? No, I'm not God. I just know that's what he says about himself, and I believe it. And then notice how accurately and brilliantly this last part states about Jesus' second advent right here on this slide that's on the screen right now. His second coming. Look how accurately and brilliantly these, this committee which is also very bad of us that we created the committee to write this. But it had people like Adrian Rogers and Steve Gaines and many others. I mean, giants of the faith, men and women that came together to write this. And they said it so brilliantly in a way that we could all still congregate together and fellowship together, even though there may be some tiny differences on some secondary and third level theology things. He will return in power and glory to judge the world. And bring all of his redeeming, his saving, his buying back of mankind from sin, his redemptive mission. He will bring it to completion. He will consummate his redemptive mission. He will return in power and glory. Notice that it says that he will return. It doesn't say when he will return. Those of us that were in Lunch, Learn, Pray this past week as we began looking at Revelation... We went through the, the intro and the, and the background of Revelation like a drinking water through a fire hose. It was great. It was hard. It was fast, but we'll slow down after that. But we, we, we looked at, in that information, that even within the Southern Baptist Convention, even within the SBC, much less other denominations, much less all of Christendom, there is much, much debate as to when Jesus will return. But there is zero debate that he will return. So it's beautiful the way we wrote this in the, in the Baptist faith and message. He will return, amen? So the, so the BFM leaves room for interpretation here in eschatology, the study of the end of times. There's room for the amillennialists. There's room for the postmillennialists. There's room for the dispensationalists. There's room for them no matter how wrong they may be. Because I think they are. <laughs> Where there is not room is for the return of Christ. There is not room for that. 
To not believe that Jesus is coming back is to not believe in the Jesus of Scripture. Is to believe in a made-up, man-made idol. Christ himself said he will return, and he will return. Will it be pre, post, during, mid? Only the Lord knows. And we're not going to figure that out in our Revelation study, but we are going to discuss it in a highly charged debate. I most definitely believe that will take place. And that's okay, too. The scriptures, there's many scriptures. All of scripture points to God the Son. Uh, but there's many scriptures where we get, where we narrow down. Um, on the next slide, many scriptures that narrow down why we say this about Jesus the way we say it. Um, in subsection B of Article 2. But let's just go into a few of these scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, Paul's telling the believers at Corinthians. Most of them are still alive. Go ask them if they saw him. But some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time or abnormally born, he also appeared to me, Paul being one who became an apostle in a very unique way. I love these verses. It's, it's a very succinct description of the gospel. As subsection B, article 2 says, his substitutionary death on the cross, in his substitutionary death on the cross, he made provision for the redemption of men from sin. He was raised from the dead with a glorified body and appeared to his disciples as the person who was with them before his crucifixion. Well, where did the people that wrote the Baptist faith and message get that? Well, right here is one of those places. It says right here, he was raised from the dead and appeared to the people who had been following him. You know how you change the world forever? You say that you're going to die for the sins of mankind and then come back to life, and then you do it. And show up to the people that you said you were going to do it for. It tends to change things. So, we've got that. Next verse, 1 John 4, 8 through 10, discussing Jesus, God the Son. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is God and is God's full expression of love. God the Father sent God the Son as an expression of love. Love as in doing what is best for another, even and most especially at the expense of cost to oneself. Sacrifice, in other words, is the full expression of love. God loves us and sent his Son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus' blood covers sin. Jesus' blood atones for sin. Jesus' blood makes us at one, which is what that made-up English word means, atonement, to be made at one, to be made whole, to be made complete, to be brought to God. Jesus' blood does that. It makes us at one with the Father. And we preach Jesus every week at this church. And we will continue to as long as I'm here. And we went into depth 
on Jesus during the Advent uh, this year on, on a lot of Jesus' attributes and characteristics and all that. So now let's go to subsection C of Article 2, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, fully divine. He inspired holy men of old to write the Scriptures. Through illumination, He enables men to understand truth. Or you could put in right there, the Scriptures. He exalts Christ. He convicts men of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He calls men to the Savior and affects regeneration. At the moment of regeneration, at the moment that you get saved, he baptizes every believer into the body of Christ. He cultivates Christian character, comforts believers, and bestows the spiritual gifts by which they serve God through his church. He seals the believer until the day of final redemption. His presence in, in, in the Christian is the guarantee that God will bring the believer into the fullness of the stature of Christ. He will save them to the uttermost. He enlightens and empowers the believer and the church in worship, evangelism, and service. God the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14 says, In him you also were sealed, him being the Spirit, with the promised Holy Spirit in Jesus, excuse me, with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the, say it with me, down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit seals the believer until the day of final redemption. His presence in the Christian is the guarantee that God will bring the believer into the fullness of the stature of Christ, the BFM says, just like this verse says. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance. It is the, it is the guarantee that God will, has saved you, will continue saving you, and will cling your, bring your salvation unto completion upon the day of the Lord. And when is the day of the Lord? When the Lord returns. When's he going to return? I'm not sure. Is he going to return? I'm betting my life on it. I'm betting my eternity on it. That's how much I hope and trust in that truth. But I don't know when. 1 John 4, 13 through 16, talking about God the Spirit. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. Ah. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God, on the love God has for us. The Holy Spirit, as the BFM says, he enlightens and empowers the believer and the church and the church in worship, evangelism, and service. The Holy Spirit enlightens and empowers. The manifest presence of the Holy Spirit helps us understand things and especially God's word in ways that we can't on our own and gives us power to do the works of God that we could never do on our own. He gifts believers to do the work of the ministry. 1 Corinthians says it like this. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Testifying about Jesus as Lord, as Savior, is a Holy Spirit action. 
It is caused by the Holy Spirit, and it continues. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. A manifestation, this is 1 Corinthians uh, 15, verse 7, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as he wills. 1 Corinthians, I said 15, I meant 12. 12, 3 through 11. We get the Spirit at salvation. Some Christian denominations teach that that happens later. That's not what I see happening in Scripture. We get the Spirit at the moment of salvation, at the moment that we are dead to self and raised to new life. Regeneration, the Baptist faith and message says. We need the Spirit to show up, to show up in our presence to do the miraculous. We get the Spirit at salvation, but we need the Spirit to show up in his manifest presence so that we can do the miraculous in Jesus' name. We want the presence of God. We need the presence of God. And for there to be a manifestation of the presence of God, we must have the Holy Spirit manifest in our presence. And the primary way, and if you don't hear anything else today, I hope you hear this. And the primary way he shows up he being the Holy Spirit. The primary way there's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit among believers is when Holy Spirit indwelled believers get together and pray. Confess God's holiness. Confess sin. Lift up praise to God. Exalt, exalt God. And listen for God to tell us what to do and then do it. When Holy Spirit and dwelt believers get together and pray, and I mean really pray, confess who God is, confess, confess sin to God, exalt God, and listen for Him to tell us what to do, and then we do it, the Holy Spirit manifests in ways that it that, that he doesn't in any other way. And he's begging. He's begging the church for this. He's begging the church to do this. You wonder why you show up sometimes, time after time, and in many churches, time after time after time, and it seems like nothing's there? It's because Holy Spirit and dwelt believers aren't getting together, are not praying, are not confessing to God, are not confessing their sin. They're not lifting up God's name. They're trying to do all this stuff in their own power without the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, it is Dead. But when the Holy Spirit's there, it is miraculous. Miracles happen through God's people when the Holy Spirit is manifest presence in the presence of his believers. And we need it. We need the Holy Spirit of God. And it's time that we get really serious about seeking the presence of the Holy Spirit. So we have an eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, all-good God who is unified in nature and essence 
and expressed in the triune persons of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I'll sum it up like this, and we'll get out of here after we have a business meeting. Sum it up like this. All this wonderful information in Articles 2 and 3, you can sum it up with that statement right there. Man needs a Savior, and Jesus is the God who saves. Amen to that. Man needs a Savior, and Jesus is the God who saves. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit does the work, calls you to Him, wants you to know Him, already loves you, already took your sin into account, yesterday's, today's, and tomorrow's, when He shed His blood for you to be saved. He took it all into account. He knew it all. He did it anyway. Man needs a Savior, and Jesus is the God who saves. Is that who you are here to worship this morning? We'll finish up and worship right here during this time. Let's finish up worshiping that God together. Or did you come here this morning and you don't know that God? I sure would be glad to introduce you to him during this last song, should that be what you need today. If the Holy Spirit's telling you, you need a Savior, well, let's spend time together in prayer and get that worked out. I just...